The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, athleticsfarm.com editor-in-chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be joined by Las Vegas hitting and pitching coaches Eric Martins and Rick Rodriguez. A whole bunch of high-profile prospects passed through Las Vegas this year, and some of them are even making major contributions for the A's right now. So we wanted to talk with a couple of guys who know as much about the A's most promising young players as anyone. We got Rick Rodriguez's insights on some of the team's top pitching prospects, guys like Jesus Lazardo, A.J. Puck, James Caprillian, and Grant Holmes. But first, we talked with Eric Martins about a bunch of exciting young hitters like Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, Sheldon Noisy, Jorge Mateo, and many more. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Eric. Hey, you got it. Glad to be on. So I understand you're uh, now that the Vegas season is over, or the AAA season is over. You're down in Arizona for the uh, instructional league, which is just getting going right now. Yeah, yeah, no rest for the rear. You know what I mean. So uh, I live here in Arizona, so you know I have no problem doing instructional league. I get to know and see some of the new kids and new guys that we had just signed and drafted, and some of the guys in the past. So it's good to just continue on that relationship with those guys at such an early stage in their career. Yeah, I know the Instructional League was starting a little earlier this season, so it, it, there wasn't much of a break between the end of the AAA season and the start of the Instructional League. It's kind of an interesting time because I know, you know, during the season, you, you're working with guys as a hitting instructor every day, but you've also got games to play every day. You know, you've got the competitive element. And, and the, in the Instructional League, you really have a little more time to really get in deep with a little more of the instructional end of things without having to worry about playing, you know, a sort of high-level competitive game every night, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it gives you a little bit of time to decompress from just having to, you know, rush your day into stuff and getting them prepared for games. Where now it's just it's just a – it's kind of a scaled-down version of the season of being able just to get these guys and working on what they need to work on and, and trying different things with them. So it's a totally different aspect of it, which I really enjoy as well. Well, you were at Las Vegas this season, the first year of the A's uh, AAA affiliation there in Las Vegas, at the new ballpark in Vegas as well. And a lot of your hitters there just had great offensive seasons this year. Guys put up really tremendous numbers there um, at that park in Vegas. And I just wanted to ask you about some of these guys, because like, like I mentioned, a lot of them are have already moved on and are up there helping the A's in a pennant race. Uh, so fans are really getting to know a, a lot of these guys that you worked with this season a lot better. And I think, uh, you know, a guy who's really just had such a tremendous season is Seth Brown. And, you know, I know he wasn't even necessarily set to, to be on the AAA roster at the start of this season. I think he was originally ticketed to go back for a second year in AA. And I think maybe you and some other people kind of lobbied a bit for him and, and felt he was deserving of the shot at AAA. And he certainly proved he was worth it. And, and now he's up doing a lot of damage for the A's as well. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Seth Brown's progress this season? It was it was amazing. You know, it started in spring training. He's always been a guy that's worked his butt off and 
had to work a little bit harder than other guys to get the opportunity. And, and that's his mentality. He's a grinder. He's going to outwork people. He knows he has to work a little bit harder to get noticed. And, and that's what he did. And, you know, started in spring training with us. He's had a couple of good years, the last couple of years with, with, you know, Midland last year and Stockton the year before. And so you can start seeing the evolution of him of understanding what kind of hitter he was. And, and so the opportunity for him to come to Vegas was huge because we knew that he would probably be able to do some damage and, in the Pacific Coast League, especially on that side of the division. And uh, it looked like he proved us all a little uh, right, I guess you could say. But um, this guy came in, he worked hard. You know, we worked on a few things, not too much. You know, more about with him was, was you know, his thought process during that bats and being able to manage his anxiety that he gets every once in a while and, uh, and a couple of mechanical things. But for the most part, I mean, he just soaked in a lot of the information from the older guys and a couple of the things that we had worked on and, he just continue on his, his good track and his, and his progression. I know everybody talks about what a, what a hard worker he is. And when I was in Las Vegas earlier in the year, I, I know I saw him spending a lot of extra time in the, in the batting cage after BP really seemed to be really focused and work, working hard on things. Was that your impression of him as well? 100%. That's always been his, his deal. And sometimes we have to, uh, to cut him down a little bit and, and have him not take as many swings because he will outwork every once in a while and, and do a little too much. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's what he liked to do. You know, I monitored it a little bit, and then there'd be times where I'd have to kind of cut him off a little bit and shut him down because if it was up to him, we'd get there at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, hit, come in, show up before batting practice, hit, take batting practice, and then <laughs> hit after. So, <laughs> you know, I think he learned how to work a little bit smarter with a little bit more intent, but no one's going to outwork Seth Brown. Yeah, well, we know he's committed anyway. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, another guy that, that you didn't end up having at Las Vegas for long this year, who's now up helping the A's in, is catcher Sean Murphy. You know, he's always been a, a highly touted prospect as a catcher. And, uh, you know, he had some injuries. Uh, he was off and on this year. But when he was healthy and in there, he certainly was hitting the cover off the ball when he had the opportunity this season in Las Vegas. And now he's up doing that. For Oakland, can you talk a little bit about what you saw out of Sean Murphy this year, and and what you foresee going forward for him in his major league career? Well, Sean Murphy really worked hard at, at hitting. He was always tabbed as a, you know one of defense first over bat, but this guy's got some serious power as he's showing, <laughs> you know, in in the big leagues as it is right now. And even with us, the minimal t- the, the minimal time that we had with him, he was really impressive. With with the power numbers that he was putting up in a short amount of span, a short amount of time. So it's unfortunate for those couple times that he was he was injured uh, because we probably would have seen him in Oakland a lot earlier than we had to this year. But right. at the same time, when he was down doing his rehab, he got in the cage and was he wasn't just sitting around and 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 just rehabbing. He was working with Kuzminov, one of our hitting constructors down here, and they got they built a pretty good relationship and. He brought it back up to us when he was able to uh, get off the, the IL, and, and it really it paid forward. Uh, so you see what he can do. He's got tremendous power. But the thing about Sean is he also has the ability to hit and drive the balls to all fields, which is big for such a such a young guy. Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, every, he's such a good defensive catcher. Everyone sort of always spoke about his defense first. Not not that he, you know, he didn't have plenty of offensive weapons as well, but the defense was so impressive. Uh, but despite that, are, are are you even surprised by the the amount of power that he's shown so much this year? No, not at all. I mean, he's such a big, strong kid. 
You know, he's, you look at him and you stand next to him and he's really, really strong and country strong, like we like to call it. And he's a big kid. And, you know, and, and so it doesn't surprise me with the power. I'm sure the power potential was always there, you know, the raw power, but now he's got it into game power, you know, where he's driving balls all fields. And, and when he hits the ball, he hits it with authority. And so it doesn't surprise me one bit what he's doing. You know, it's something that he really worked hard at. Um, on top of being such a, an amazing defensive player, it's something that he worked hard in the last couple of off seasons to, to step up his offensive game. Yeah, I, when I had the opportunity to interview him in the A's clubhouse in spring training, I was I was surprised at, at how big he was, you know. And uh, <laughs> he, I was I really realized what a what a large framed uh, guy he was, and, and so I guess I guess he's really been putting that uh, that that big frame to work for him and uh, tapping into that natural power. Now another guy who who had a, was a really great story this year is Sheldon Noisy. As you know, you were his hitting coach at Nashville last season, his first year in AAA. And as you know, he, you know, he struggled a bit, a bit there in Nashville. And this year, just, you know, pretty much all season long, he did nothing but hit in Las Vegas. He was really one of the team's most consistent hitters. He just seemed to hit, hit well every day. Um, now he's up in Oakland again, getting the chance to play some second base for the A's. Can you talk a little bit about the turnaround you saw in Sheldon Noisy over the past couple seasons? Well, he hit it spot on. He said consistency, and that was one thing um, that he did all year this year. He really controlled the strike zone, swung at the right pitches, didn't re- rarely miss the pitch that he was swinging at. So that was good to see him continue on the track that he started with at around the half last year. You know, the first half of last year was kind of a disastrous time for him. Mm-hmm. Um, we had him make a few mechanical adjustments that he had to really – buy into which he did in the second half i think he hit like 320 and finished the year hitting 263 so he continued that on into the off season and into spring training and into the season this year with the new kind of approach and set up for him and the thing with him i think was always just controlling the strike zone not chasing not chasing very many pitches not you know understanding the strike zone his his kryptonite was fastballs up and maybe sliders down in the zone um, but he was really able to lay off those pitches and get himself into some advantageous hitters count. So, I mean, when he got those pitches, he didn't miss them. So it was good to see him stick with that consistency this year. You know, there'd be a couple of little th- days where he kind of scuffled a little bit and it would just be a little small little keyword for him or a little adjustment in the cage with some work that we did and he'd get it right back. So it's really fun to see him because he can always hit. He came into this organization always being able to hit. We knew he can hit. You know, he's hit everywhere he went. And last year was probably a little bit of a blessing. I mean, we hate to see people struggle. But for him to make the adjustment that he was going to need to be able to be a, a consistent major league player. Yeah, it was great to see that he, he, he really did seem to learn from those struggles last year and, and really turn things around this year anyway. Uh, another guy on a, who was a, sort of on a similar trajectory was uh, shortstop Jorge Mateo. You know, he struggled quite a bit in his first year at AAA last year. And then he came right out of the box, you know, on fire this year, seemed to look like a whole different player at the plate. And, uh, and even in the field, he, you know, he, he seemed a little more focused this year as well. So what kind of turnaround did you see out of Jorge Mateo coming into this season? I think that was the word. He was a little bit more focused. He matured a little bit more. Um, he's such a dynamic player. and He can be. He really has a chance to be special in the big leagues if he just works on a few other things as well. But you saw that what he can do. I mean, defensively, he never took his at-bats. Even the struggles that he had maybe in the last couple of months of the season never really took it out on defense. 
and, and played an amazing shortstop for us. And he's so dynamic in the box of being able to hit for average power. His speed is, is top notch and he's a threat on the bases. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is having the confidence that he had this year of, of going out and knowing that the adjustments and the focus and the, the maturity level that he, that he presented this year really improved his game. So now hopefully this off season, he continues on that track and, 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 and becomes one of those, those players that has a chance to be an all-star type guy. So, um, I'm really proud of what he did this year. He had some ups and downs a little bit later in the half, but the first half of the season, he was probably the best player in all of minor league baseball. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got, got enough tools that if he just puts them into play, he can <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely impact the game quite a bit. Um, another infielder uh, on your squad there this year who, you know, for many years has been considered the A's top hitting prospect is uh, Franklin Barreto. You know, it, I, he had a little opportunity in the summer with the A's this year. Didn't necessarily get consistent at bats up there, but he did struggle again in, in the time he got there in the big leagues. When he came back down to Vegas, he started hitting like crazy <laughs> again. You know, he really had a, a real impressive year at AAA. And as we know, he struggled a bit when he's had some opportunities with the A's. So where do you feel Franklin Barreto's at? You know, what's allowed him to be such a successful hitter at, in AAA at times? And what do you think he needs to overcome to be a successful hitter at the major league level? Well, I think Franklin just needs consistent at bats and consistent playing time. You know, um, he was given some opportunity this year and he didn't really take advantage of it. And I think the leash was a little bit shorter just for the fact that, you know, the last couple of years that he's had an opportunity, we've been in playoff contention. So, you know, if we were a scuffling team that didn't have a chance to get in the playoffs, then he probably would have got a couple of weeks run where he would have finally felt comfortable and stuff like that. So, you know, frankly, he's still special. He's, he's such a good player. Um, I think whenever he gets an opportunity where it's, you know, he'll get some consistent at-bats for a couple of few weeks and he's able to settle in and, and be able to do what he does, then he's going to be just fine. It's just unfortunate right now that with the team and how we're doing and how close things were, especially at the time that he came up earlier, we were trying to make a run to get back into it that, you know, he had to come in and perform right away. So, um, you know, as far as his, his, his ability, uh, you can't doubt it. I mean, he's, he's, we've had to make some adjustments the last couple of years with the setup um, in AAA, and he even made an, a different adjustment when he got set down after his first uh, call-up this year. So, you know, the thing with him is just kind of control his actions and his motions in the box and being a little bit more direct and being on time and being a little bit earlier. So he was able to utilize his power and his strength. I mean, this guy can hit balls as far as anybody to the opposite field in such a small package. So, um, you know, Franklin just needs to get some ABs, you know, and, and, and some consistent at-bats, and he's going to show everybody what he can do. Yeah, unfortunately, a pennant race isn't always the best time to give a to give a young player a terribly long leash, as we know. So um. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's just been unfortunate for him in, in the couple last couple of years where he's gotten those opportunities that he wasn't able to get those consistent at-bats. Uh, and then can you talk a little bit about you had, you had like I said, so many great hitters there in Las Vegas this year. You had such a productive uh, set of outfielders there. Think of Mark Payton had an amazing year. Dustin Fowler put up big numbers. Sky Bolt really seemed to make the turn and come into his own this year. Can you just talk a little bit about that, that group of outfielders collectively and, and what stood out about them this year for you? It's a fun group. It was, I mean, collectively as a whole on the team, it was a fun group. They really pulled for each other. You know, they, they held each other accountable. I think there was some competition, you know, friendly competition 
you know, Mark Payton, you can't speak for the this season that he had. I mean, just such a competitor. This guy wants to get in the box and he wants to take somebody's head off. Um, simple approach, knows what he wants to do. There wasn't really much stuff that I had that I helped him with this year. Just, you know, a couple keys that if I saw something, I would mention to him. But for, pretty much for the whole season was 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 on his own. You know, he did. He, he knew what he wanted to do and, he, and the power came in his own. You know, he's such a good player. The thing with him is just being able to control the strike zone, understanding that he's probably not going to be a 30 home run guy in the big leagues, but uh, he's probably going to hit, he can probably hit 15 to 20 ish in the big leagues and, and be a productive uh, player in the, in the big leagues. As far as Dustin Fowler, uh, I commend him for what he did this year. It was a complete different change in his setup that uh, the big league team wanted to see, and he, and he bought into it, and he did it all season. Hit 20 something homers, 278. Upped his walk totals this year. Still a little, still a little high on the on the strikeout side, but that's him just you know having a new setup this year and a new load. So played a really good outfield. Played a lot. It was a lot more aggressive. I think the phobia of, of running in the walls and not being aggressive was was gone. He made some outstanding plays. Threw some, threw a lot of runners out at the plate. Um, so that was fun to watch. Sky Bolt is as electric as anybody. He has a ton of tools. Um, he got a little injury bug there uh, for a couple weeks there that kind of slowed his progress down. But, you know, switch hitter, learning the nuances of, 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 of a couple different setups from his right side and staying in his legs. I think he had a, a couple breakthroughs there. Such a tremendous outfielder with a good arm and, and, and good range. So, I mean, it was fun to watch. It, it didn't really matter who we threw out there. It was a productive lineup when we had that whole team there. So, those those three in, in general, especially at the end of the year after the call-ups and, and getting us as far as we did in the playoffs was good because they pretty much took the the most the majority of our team, which if we're doing a good job here, then that means that's what they're doing. They're taking our players. So those guys were, were down here competing and getting us in the playoffs and, and gave us a pretty good run. So it was fun to watch, and it was a good group to have. Well, you certainly had a lot of talented hitters there in Las Vegas this year. There's no question about that. I think this first year in Vegas, though, we, we've definitely learned that it's a bit of a hitter's ballpark there, and it's definitely a, a good hitting environment in Las Vegas. That's for sure. I'm curious, though, how much does that you know, factor into your thinking, playing in a sort of a hitter's park and a hitter's environment there in the desert in Las Vegas? Does that have any effect on how, how you approach things with the hitters there? Uh, it's not really an approach. I think just being in a hitter's environment after being in Nashville for the last four years, the turnaround is just the confidence. I mean, last year, the last few years in Nashville, guys would come in hitting balls on the screws as, as good as they can, and the ball wouldn't even get to the warning track. Right. And so now these guys are getting rewarded by hitting the ball hard. If you come and watch our batting practice, these guys aren't trying to launch balls into the into the pool or over the scoreboard. These guys are show, coming in and having a good plan with their with their batting practice, hitting low line drives and trying to barrel baseballs. And that's all we really, we really focus on. And so now if they're getting rewarded, it's going to be rewarded at the next level. It's the same balls that the big leaguers are using. So if they're, if they're putting up those numbers and, you know, and wherever they're doing it at and they're squaring up baseballs and hitting them low on a good trajectory, then it's going to play everywhere. So, you know, I think that the confidence is the bigger thing. If, if there's only so much I can say after if a guy goes 0 for 4 or 4 balls hit on the screws that didn't even get to the warning track, where now this guy is going to get rewarded when he hits the ball on the screws and, you know, it's going to find a gap or it might, you know, it could go out of the ballpark. But 
for the most part, these guys hit the ball the way we wanted them to, you know, with the exception of, a few, you know, quite a few games where the wind might have aided a few of those. But for the most part, these guys hit the ball the way we wanted them to with a good trajectory, exit velocity and launch angle, things that we really don't focus on, you know, but if you look at those numbers and you put them in, in parks in the big league, they were still home runs. So, which is good to see. Right. Yeah. Well, like you said, I guess one good thing about uh, hitting in that environment, it certainly helps build a, build a hitter's confidence anyway. They're, they're not getting, 100%. <laughs> getting knocked 100%. out. 100%. <laughs> let, let me ask you finally before we go. I know you had a long relationship with Matt Chapman, and I know how gratifying it was for you to, to see his success in the major league level after spending so much time with him. Just, just how... How gratifying is it for you to see these guys that you worked with for most of the season in Las Vegas, guys like Seth Brown and Sean Murphy and Sheldon Noisy? How satisfying is it for you to see them go up to the big leagues and, and get an opportunity and have the chance to really produce at the major league level and, and you know, and do what people hope they're going to do when, when they were drafted and, and entered the A's uh, player development system? That's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about for us, for us hitting coaches and a staff as we see guys that we work with during the season go up and help the team win. Um, so it, it's fun. You know, I, if I don't have a chance to watch their games, I go back the next day and I'm, I'm watching their videos of their at-bats or I'm looking at the box score. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's gratifying. I know it is for Craig Conklin as the assistant hitting coach and, and, and Fran Reardon and, and all the whole staff that we had is, for the season and watch these guys go up, be able to perform, get put in the situations to actually play and help the team win. So, I mean, it's a good group of guys. I mean, that's what we live for here. That's what, that's all, all the hard work and all the hours that we put in is to see, to, to see those guys go up and help the big league team win and, and hopefully get a ring. Yeah. I mean, as you said, that that's what it's all about is winning at the major league level and the work you guys do there in um, Las Vegas at the AAA level is, uh, is the last, last step before guys are ready to do that. So it's really important work you do. And that's why it's always great talking with you and getting your insights on things. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking the time out to join us today, Eric. Anytime. You got it. Stay tuned for more on the A's Farm podcast coming right up. After spending most of the past couple decades serving as the A's AAA pitching coach in Sacramento and Nashville, Rick Rodriguez spent his first season overseeing the pitching staff in the hitter's paradise of Las Vegas this year. We talked with him about some of the team's top pitching prospects like Jesus Lazardo, A.J. Puck, James Caprillion, Grant Holmes, and many more. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Rick. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Now, uh, as as we know, you've been a AAA pitching coach in the A system for many years now, but this is the first year in Las Vegas with the new uh, affiliation agreement there. And, you know, it's definitely proven to be a bit of a hitter's park and, and a very favorable environment for the, uh, for the hitters there in Las Vegas in the desert. What kind of challenges are involved, though, in terms of working with the pitchers in such a hitter-friendly environment like that? Well, I think uh, you have to come to grips with that's the uh, toughest division in the PCL to pitch in. Uh, just not our uh, place, but I mean, you got Salt Lake, El Paso, Albuquerque, and high altitude. So, uh, you know, I think once they come to grips with that and uh, get over it, they they just go to pitch. You know, it's definitely something you have to have to come to terms with. I mean, obviously, as a pitcher, you like to have every every uh, element possible working in your favor, and it's definitely something to have to overcome. But but a lot of guys did, and a lot of guys pitched very well there this year. It's interesting because a lot of, like I mentioned, very high-profile pitchers in the A system passed through there this year. 
Some are uh, now uh, helping the A's in their uh, pennant run. And a guy who's really been such a high-profile pitching prospect for a while now for the A's is Jesus Lazardo. Um, you know, unfortunately, he had some injuries to deal with earlier this year that sort of delayed his season. But then once he got back going, I think he made about seven starts there for you in Vegas. And I'm just curious to know, you know, he's such a talented young pitcher. What what you saw out of him and, you know, what you what you think makes Jesus Lozardo such a successful pitcher and what you foresee for him going forward in the future. Yeah, the one thing that I saw out of, out of him when he was in Vegas was, you know, his first start, I think he was trying to kind of feel his way around and, you know, make sure everything was healthy. And then after that, uh, you know, we kind of looked at some things and started to use his fastball maybe a little bit more. And I think uh, he had a very good game. I can't remember who it was against, but he went six. First time he's went six innings in a long time. And I think he only gave up one run in, in the first inning and then shut him out. So I think his confidence grew. Um, I mean, he's a guy that has tremendous talent. Obviously, he's got, uh, you know, fastball, curveball, and, and uh, changeup that are all, you know, above major league quality pitches. And, you know, he's still learning. He's, I think he just turned 21. So he's, uh, you know, he's up there now. I think he got his first save. And, you know, he's real excited about going. And, uh, you know, I know he had some setbacks, but uh, I think things happen for a reason. And, you know, he's there now to help him get to the playoffs. What was his velocity like there at Las Vegas? I'd heard he hit as high as 99 at some point. Is that the case? But what what kind of velocity was he throwing with when he was there? Yeah, I think he topped out one time uh, one night at 99. Um, you know, he can pitch at uh, anywhere from 95 to 97. You know, he'll throw a couple of BP fastballs in there about 91, 92. Try to you know spot a little bit, but uh, you know when he feels it, I mean, he can throw the upper 90s, 95, 97, 98, right through there with a power curveball. Uh, now, another guy, very high-profile guy who you had there who was throwing out of the bullpen on his way back from Tommy John surgery is A.J. Puck. He's now up throwing out of the bullpen for the A's, which is an unusual spot for him. You know, he's always been a starter his whole career. So what what was it like for A.J. Puck throwing there in Las Vegas, working out of the pen, and, you know, just trying to get back into physical shape where he can compete at the top level? Yeah, it, it was great having him. I and mean, that's the first year I've really seen him. Uh, pitch and it was it was amazing to watch the ball come out of his hand um, again he was you know getting off to Tommy John they were limiting him to just basically throwing fastballs and sliders uh, towards the end when he was in Vegas uh, our uh, pitching coordinator Gil Patterson said you know go ahead and it's okay to have him throw a couple of curveballs here and there and he started to mix that in and I have never seen his changeup but from what I hear his changeup is his best off-speed pitch so if that's the case uh could hardly wait till he starts throwing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was definitely working with a limited uh, uh, arsenal of pitches there and, and still able to get by. That's definitely a good sign. What kind of velocity did he have when he was throwing there for you at Vegas? Oh, he was 97 to 100. I mean, it was it was amazing. Uh, and he liked it. He liked coming out of the bullpen. He said he hasn't done that since college. And, uh, you know, he just wanted to get back out there and pitch and you know, he was learning every day, trying to teach him how to come out of the bullpen, what, how to get ready, especially if he's starting an inning and, you know, we're batting and we're scoring a lot of runs, how not to throw a lot of pitches in the bullpen and just kind of conserve it and wait till he gets out in the mound. But uh, he was great to work with. Uh, now, a guy there who was really also sort of coming back from an injury uh, riddled season last year, but who really turned out to be your best pitcher there this year is Paul Blackburn. And, you know, he was a little off and on in the first half, but then it seemed that by the second half, 
he really got into a groove, really clicked into gear, and then was really one of the best starting pitchers in the PCL in the second half. Can you talk about what the, you know, the sort of transition that Paul Blackburn went through over the course of the season to finally get as locked in as he was? Yeah, Paul, I mean, he was uh, another guy that I really liked. I had him, I guess, three three years ago when he first was in Nashville and um, you know, kind of told him, hey, you're a command type of pitcher. You need to pitch uh, down the zone. You need to pitch ahead in the count, uh, be able to throw your off speed behind in the count, and uh, worked out a couple mechanical things that I think he liked, and uh, he, he wound up spotting the fastball very, very well. He developed a really good changeup that I thought was above major league quality, and you know, he was a guy that just understood that, you know, you can't walk guys, especially in Vegas. And, you know, he would just try to pitch as many times as he could ahead in the count. And he had a good slider, cutter, curveball to put guys away with. So he had a really good arsenal to attack the hitters. But uh, he just kind of understood uh, his role and what he can do as a starting pitcher. And, you know, he didn't try to overthrow. He just spotted his pitches and worked ahead in the count and got hitters out. It was great. Yeah, it seemed like his command just got sharper and sharper as the as the year went on. But I guess that's often the case with guys who are, you know, coming back from from dealing with injuries like he was. Another guy who really seemed to struggle quite a bit in the, when he first got up there was Parker Dunchy. He got called up early from Midland. And in the first half, he really struggled. And then in the second half, particularly that final month of the season, he really seemed to, to click into gear and, and look a lot more like that picture he had been at double a and high a can you talk a little bit about what parker dunshi had to learn at the triple a level and what helped him get to the point where he could succeed in the final month of the season i think he just had to learn to trust his stuff uh you know his first outing against tacoma when he first came up was great you know i thought okay here we go we can just build off of that and then i don't know i think maybe he he tried to do too much and tried to be too fine with his fastball and you know, all of a sudden he started to figure some stuff out and he started to learn how to trust his fastball. Very good cutter. He's got some deception in his delivery. Um, and again, he just needed to, to trust that and just go attack the hitters and try to work ahead in the count as many times as possible. And, uh, you know, once he started to do that, you could see his confidence grow. He started to use his change up a little bit more. And uh, I think that helped his fastball. Yeah, it seemed like maybe after he, you know, had some outings where he'd given up a, a bunch of home runs there in uh, in the PCL, that, that maybe that might have rattled his confidence a little bit, and he started being a little <laughs> little more tentative after that, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it can uh, it can get to some young pitchers, especially you know when the the ball starts flying, not just in Vegas but other places, and it's like, hey. You know, if you learn to pitch in Vegas, you're going to be able to pitch anywhere. <laughs> you can make it there. You can make it anywhere. Um, there you uh, go. Uh, There's that saying, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other guy that we always kind of think of along with the Dunchy is Ryan Howard. You know, they were drafted back, back a few years ago and uh, made their way through the system together. He came up to Vegas a little later in the season. I think he made about four, uh, four starts there, three or four, and – he really got hit hard there in those outings in Vegas, which was it was surprising to see how how hard he got hit. But what do you think accounted for for his struggles in his brief time there? And what do you think he needs to do to to overcome that and come back and and be successful at the AAA level, perhaps next year? Well, you know, he had a little experience uh, in Vegas uh, with the ball flying, and uh, you know, I think he just again needs to learn how to trust his fastball. And I mean, he had very good command in Double A, and I think maybe he. Again, tried to do too much at Triple A, and uh, you know maybe fell behind some hitters and had to come back over the plate. But uh, his last outing was very impressive. I think he uh, 
had the confidence and he had a good uh, game plan going. He was able to execute the game plan. And I think uh, knowing that, that kind of helped him. So hopefully, you know, next year when he's in, in AAA, that'll just carry over. Uh, now, like uh, like Puck, you had another guy there who was coming back from Tommy John's surgery who was working out of the bullpen as well, and that's Jarrell Cotton. He got hit hard a lot of times, gave up a, a lot of home runs there, but there were also times when he was on and he, he was striking out a lot of guys too, you know, so his stuff seemed to be there, but overall the performances were, were kind of inconsistent. So what do you think Jarrell Cotton was going through? Where do you think he's at at this stage of the game? in terms of his return from the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, I think coming back from the surgery, you know, he would pitch an inning and have to have a couple of days off. And I think he was, you know, just getting used to the way his arm was bouncing back. And he was on a progression that we, you know, we followed. And uh, his, his velo seemed to be climbing up. And then towards the end, uh, you know, they kind of took him off restrictions. But, you know, we were, he, he wasn't going to pitch back-to-back days. But... Uh, you know, he finally said, Hey, my arm is feeling good. It doesn't feel sore the day after I pitch. And after that, his velocity started to go up. Uh, he was still learning how to pitch out of the bullpen. I, I personally, I think he could be a very good starter at the major league level with his, with all the weapons that he has. But, uh, you know, he did wound up throwing, uh, three games. He, uh, it was like a spot start and he threw three quality shutout innings had his fastball velo was like steady at 94, 95. And, uh, that changeup started to be the old changeup that I've seen before. Uh, you know, he flipped in a couple of curveballs and cutters. So, uh, you know, he he ended up on a very good note. Yeah, no, it was definitely good to see that that final outing where he looked a lot more in command than he than he had at times earlier in the season. As we know, it's definitely a bit of a process coming back from the Tommy John surgery. You guys really do have to kind of find find their groove, and it takes some time. And let me ask you before we go finally about a couple of guys you got a brief look at at the end of the season. A couple of high profile arms who came up there to Vegas at the end of the year, and that's Grant Holmes and James Caprillion. They both made one start in the last week of the season in there where they both looked pretty good and in, in, in command. And then they both made one start in the playoffs for you there um, that, that didn't necessarily turn out quite as well. But can you just tell me from your perspective what you saw out of Grant Holmes and James Caprillion and, and what you expect to see out of them going forward, perhaps as uh, starters uh, for you there in AAA next season? Yeah, um, first time again, I've uh, seen both of those guys pitch. Uh, Grant Holmes came in and I thought he did a very good job. He seemed very poised, uh, had very good command, had some good quality pitches, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, he'll be with us next year and starting in triple A. I think that's a, that'd be a great uh, addition. Uh, James, again, the first time I've seen him pitch and I think it's the first time he's been able to pitch in a couple of years. And, you know, I think he's still learning how to pitch and especially at this higher level. Uh, but I saw, uh, some good fastballs, some good sliders out of him, a really good changeup that I liked. And, uh, you know, I think with the off-season rest and then the throwing programs that we have, uh, both of them are going to come into the spring training healthy and ready to go. Yeah, they were both coming back from dealing with injuries like many other pitchers, so they were both gaining their strength over <laughs> yeah. the course of the, course of the season like many guys. Do you know, do you know what kind of velocity Holmes or uh, Caprillion were throwing with when you uh, had them there in Vegas? Yeah, I think they were similar. I think Holmes, I think he was uh, like sat like 92. I think he topped out at 94. And then James was pretty much the same thing. He he was sitting around 91, topped out about 93, 94. 
you know, but again, you know, both of them coming back from injury. So with the off season and their conditioning and everything, you know, I think their velocity is going to be back to where they were. And I know both of them, you know, threw pretty hard. So I'm looking forward to seeing that when they, when they get back. Yeah, hopefully you'll have even even stronger and sharper versions of uh, those two there for you there in Las Vegas next year. Well, it's always good talking with you, Rick. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 